Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Welcome to another episode of the Forgot My Dice Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the player two to my player one, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. So remember what I was complaining about last episode? I mean, like, that's a long list. <laughs> Life just hasn't stopped. Yeah, it does that, man. It does uh, that. Uh, I'm with you. You said the tide was in and then it should go out, but Jonathan, the tide hasn't gone out. It hasn't gone out. Give it time, my friend. It will. <sighs> Today was good, though. Today was good. I figured out how to handle my kid, Barry, because uh, it's so sweet. All that kid wants to do is help. Oh, when I'm making food and stuff, I just get him to open the refrigerator for me and, and hand me a few things. And he is so happy. He's happy as a clam. And that that's been very nice. So I will I will look at that positive podcast. Sometimes it's the, the little things that make a big difference. That's true. As always, we want to get started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on here at the uh, Forgot My Dice World Headquarters, which is oddly split between two states because we're a multinational organization. Multi-state organization. I'm not in another nation. Shh, let it happen. You might as well be. No, man. Like, Portland, <laughs> Portland and Austin are not that different. <laughs> Portland and Texas sure are. Yeah, one's a city and one's a state. What you meant to say was Austin Oregon. And Texas sure are, man. Come on. True, but again, again, again. Portland, Austin, not not all that dissimilar. Although we don't have the draft house out here, which is really sad. It's so sad. Do you have anything like it? So people from Portland would say the Hollywood Theater sounds like it, but the Hollywood Theater is not like it. They don't know. Seems like it's time to go complain on the uh, draft house website about uh, the lack of draft house out here. Because, man... Ugh. You know what I forgot about? You know what I literally forgot about? People talk during movies. I've had it happen now twice. Yeah, that's not okay. I'm not a fan. I know. I know. And I, I, I miss the whole, like, draft house thing of, like, you know, silently narc people out and get them, you know, ejected from the theater. <sighs> okay, okay. I'm putting that on the to-do list. I'm going to go complain. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna file a complaint. <laughs> For bad service. Ask for a location to be open. We we have we both have voodoo donuts. That's true. That's true. Voodoo donuts is so good. it's not like Austin Portland cross pollination hasn't already began. Yeah, no. I'm I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we don't have a draft house and we need one desperately because people here gotta know. They have to know. It's it's so good, Jonathan. It's so good. And here's the thing. Like you could say it's like, oh, but it's not hot all the time. So why would people go see movies? But it's like, you know what it is during the winter? It's really cold and rainy. <laughs> you ain't going out in that. It's just drizzly all the time. Nah, you go see a movie. I wouldn't know. We just have varying degrees of heat stroke. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no 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 no. There's two months of winter, and then that's sandwiched with a month of this nice year we had weather? two weeks of winter. Not even. I think we yeah. had twenty minutes of winter. This is riveting. We're talking about differences of states and cities that most people don't live in. Except for Let's Dale. Hi, Dale. That it stays in the final cut. Oh, oh, a lot of it, because I'm <laughs> feeling lazy this week. <laughs> All right. Well, moving right along, uh, we actually have uh, a Department of Corrections announcement today. My wife let me know that she was the one that came up with uh, Jason Momoa looks like a 
young, old Steven Seagal. She said that, and she was mad that I forgot. So how dare you, Robert? How I know. dare you? I know, I know. And and, and here's the thing, you too. Insolent fool. Whenever whenever my wife says something funny, I just steal it because she's part of my air quotes writing team on the show. So we are, you know, like communal property and all that. It, it, we practically are one person. So I can just say that I came up with it. So. Oh, well, say la vie. Yeah, but yeah, that G- might be uh, a stretch that's going to get you in even more trouble. No, no, no. Gina's cool with it. It'll be fine. Keep <laughs> on digging that hole, son. Keep it on. Let me get you that shovel. The way you're going at it, you're going at it like you got a backhoe. <laughs> I've earned a lot of uh, I've earned a lot of credit because uh, uh, the, the oldest has been a little sick. So I've been up with her for a couple hours every night for the last couple of days. I, I, I got some, I, feel I got like some credit. Those last few sentences might've erased all that credit. Oh no. Oh no. No, 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 Ooh, that no. That's a big one. That was a big Can one. You what? Hear that? what? Oh, we got a huge lightning storm here. Oh, wow. Well, Robert, as always, it is a day of the year. What is today? Jonathan, happy national dance like a chicken day. Got that on my to-do list for later this evening. <laughs> Of course, I call that trying to walk through the the kids' hallway and not step on a Lego. No, no, no. That's not that's not how you dance like a chicken. Uh, written in the 1950s by Werner Thomas, a Swiss accordionist, the chicken dance didn't even make it to the United States until sometime in the 70s, and is associated with polkas or umpapa music. Originally written as the duck dance, it was rumored to have been written as a drinking song, and it was later changed to the bird dance. But when it came to America, we christened it the chicken dance, and you know that chicken dance, the ba 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 da 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 do 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 do. It's also called as the very moment I always excuse myself for a restroom break when I'm at a public event. Oh, dude, man. Ah, ah, you got to do the chicken dance. It's so good. I don't got to do nothing. It's so good. And the kids love it. The kids love it, Jonathan. And I love the kids. And may they all be happy together. (laughs) Well, as always, we're going to get started with our off the shelf segment. This is, of course, the segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've gotten off of our shelves and onto our tables or televisions or Xboxes, Playstations, Internets. All that fun stuff. So before we get started, I I have been a bad person about possibly as long as two episodes ago. One of the seeds that we cast out into the universe, Jonathan, bore fruit and came back to us. Do you know what that one was? Uh... So I am looking at the Twitter one day. And I get this random response to a Twitter. Somebody linked us. Someone said, ah, forgot my dice popped up. Somebody, Jonathan, made a pizza cake and found our pizza cake hashtag and talked back to us about pizza cakes. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yes. Yes. Now, he said he he made a poor man's pizza cake or a pizza cake on a budget. He took uh, some thin crust pizzas and just sort of stacked them all together (laughs) and cooked them, which I actually I don't think is a bad plan because um, my big problem with like pizza crusts is especially if you stacked them like that, they would just stay doughy. I don't think they'd cook, you know, but having like thin crust pizzas. But but I think if I do this because I like this, I think I'd go the extra mile of like somehow wrapping it in like a a, a pizza crust exterior, like a bowl that you set the pizzas in and then the, the interior is thin crust sliced. But yeah, he made it. I don't know. Was this a pizza cake fan or a podcasting fan? Or it's a, a pizza cake fan. fan. He, he made a pizza cake and then he was like wondering if anybody did this on the Internet. And you know who did it on the Internet, Jonathan? Yo, we did. We, did. <laughs> we are big in the pizza cake uh, halls of 
I don't know, is it even halls plural? It's like a hall of pizza cake. Pizza. I don't. I don't know, man. But we are we are keeping that flame alive here, where we we make the pizza cakes. Is there gonna be a con. There should be. But yeah. Oh, hey, pizza cakes are are very definitely a thing. Wow. Hashtag pizza cake. There are a lot of people making pizza cakes. Fascinating. Oh, they look so bad for you too. Wow, Domino's what? Pizza UK made one as kind of a promotional gimmick. That's cute. <laughs> and let the diabetes flow. <laughs> Moving right along. Where do you want to start today? Do you want to shake it up for once and start with video games? No. Do we ever start with video games? We do that all the time. There was this period of like a year where you would say, well, let's shake it up and start with video games. And and it was ironic because it was not shook up. Let's shake it up and assume that I'm not going to remember what I say in 10 minutes. <laughs> Let's start with movies and TV. Let's really mess with you. Well, that, that, that's all I got. I, I haven't been playing like any video games, so you're, you're going to be all by yourself on that one. We got caught up on the Twilight Zone, although there's been a couple more episodes, but we've watched three of them. I think we've got another one or two in the queue right now, but we need to uh, burn through that. Yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to. I need to get that CBS All Access for like a month and get caught up on Discovery. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, the episode Rewind. Uh, that one was uh, not subtle. It was uh, it was basically the Black Lives Matter episode of of the show, and uh, it's about a, a mom who's taking her kid to college, and she has a, a, a video recorder uh, that when she hits rewind on it, it can rewind time, and uh, and then she kind of uses it. <laughs> and as, I need one of those. Yeah, but she uses it as a a weapon more or less to this racist cop that keeps following her around that she's oh, trying to like neat. Groundhog's Day dodge somehow. So not a very subtle episode, but it was pretty good. A traveler was amazing <laughs> so it was done by one of the guys who did a lot of x-files episodes uh darren morgan i think it was and so it, it oddly played kind of like an episode of the x-files just one where dana or scully and uh, Mulder aren't around you know it's just this weird thing about a no-name town in the middle of alaska that may or may not be the center of an alien invasion it was a good episode it was funny it was you know it's like one of those episodes of the x-files where it's kind of creepy but it's also kind of amusing you know, you know those good ones yeah yeah yeah, it was like that. Just no Mulder and Scully. It was just the the cops in this town. Uh, and then we watched The Wonder Kind, which I hope that episode ages incredibly poorly. It's about a guy who tries to get a 13-year-old kid elected president. And it is not at all a thinly veiled reference to our current administration in the slightest. And I hope it ages poorly because it's so ridiculous and kind of depressing in that way that, yeah. Oh, my God, Jonathan. But it, it's a good episode. You're just hoping that we're on the back end of that nightmare. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> and then uh, speaking of Star Trek Discovery, we finished it. We finished season two. And I didn't want to talk about it last time because I uh, I was really... I, I, I just want to make sure you don't spoil anything. I won't spoil anything. I've been looking forward I, to it. I was really digging it. I was really, really digging it. Uh, by the time we watched uh, we, or we did the last episode, I was like two episodes in. And I, I didn't want to believe it because I really, really didn't like the first season at all. And this season of Star Trek really course corrected for me and it was really nice my my big complaint about season one of discovery was just in these uh these uh, dark noir times i wanted you know hopeful star trek back i wanted to watch star trek where i could look at the future and say yay hopefully we end up there but the first season of star trek discovery was a little dark a little bit did you see any discovery the first season just the very very first pilot episode that was available on cbs okay first season 
is real dark, Jonathan. And I, I was mad because I it wasn't hopeful, and I I was pissed about that. But holy crap, season two did they fix it? Well, spoiler alert, but I, I don't care, Jonathan. Uh, captain Pike becomes their captain. No, I care. I care. Stop talking. Uh, okay. Well, then you need to get caught up, sir, because I want to talk about this. Because I I've been talking to you about this on text. As long as you don't go into any more detail beyond what we've texted. I I just want to say Captain Pike like righted the ship because he's uh, he's a really good captain. You know, uh, they basically wrote him as Kirk without any of Kirk's like 1960s male, you know, toxic masculinity, 1960s character flaws, like male flaws, you know, because he's not like a, a skirt chaser, but he's a really good leader, which Kirk was a good leader. Sometimes he was charismatic, but, you know, he was also a 1960s dude. And Pike is not that he's he just was a character of his time. Right, right. Right. But it's interesting. Like Pike is, a, uh, is, you know, for lack of a better term, like masculine millennial for, you know, like, like, uh, and he's just, he just, you just want him to be your captain. He's a good dude. And it, it was just, it made the whole show great. And I'm so happy. It was a great, it was a great series. I, it had some kind of moments, but overall I, I really dug it. So there you go. What did you watch? I finally had a chance to sit down and watch a, a, a movie that I've had for quite some time. And I finally had an evening to myself. I had a uh, minor surgical procedure done that had me laid up. And so I had some alone time. And I sat down and I watched uh, Get Out. Nice. Should we talk about your minor procedure? Because I have inadvertently been making like phrasing jokes about it like all day. And I assure you, I'm not doing it on purpose. I mean, I'm not embarrassed about it or anything. I had a vasectomy because I have five children and that is enough. (laughs) It is is done. You know, all wonderful things come to an end. And now I'm going to spend the next I've still got 18, 17 years, nine and a half months to uh, to work through this. But, uh, yeah, I'm done with the birth component of uh, this this program. That's fair. That's fair. So anyway, yeah, that that had me laid up for a couple days. Uh, It's not. A pleasant sensation in any way, shape, or form. And I'll leave it at that. It's everything you ever dreamed of, plus swelling. There you go. You're really selling it anyway, Jonathan. So get out. How was it? <laughs> get out! Uh, it was fantastic. It was uh, a breath of fresh air uh, in, in, in a genre that has sorely become just completely predictable and stupid and flush with gore and violence. And this wasn't any of those things. It was very Hitchcock in how little it shows on screen and how much it implies. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Nice. And I I don't want to go too much into it because if you haven't seen it, I don't care how old this movie is. If you haven't seen it, you you really should watch it. Uh, It's not jump scares. It's uh, psychological scares and, yeah, it, it, it's expert and just go into it completely, completely blind and, and you'll have a great time. Well, then, Jonathan, I finished up Love, Death and Robots. Finally got through the entire D of it. Overall, it was a good show. You know, honestly, I can't remember what the last couple were. Come to think of it. I don't know if that's a sign of their quality or the fact that I watched it so long ago, because that was like right after we recorded the last one. I watched the farm one like four times now. I really like that one a lot. I thought Zima Blue was interesting, but it didn't really do much for me visually. Oh, I I just really liked the plot. It was just different. No, the plot was great. The plot was interesting. It's um very Star Trek the motion picture. Oh, yeah, the Secret War. Yeah, those were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the alternate histories was pretty funny, too. <laughs> and Ice Age. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the last few episodes were really good. I forgot about them. Actually, yeah, yeah. That one, one of them is actually one of my favorites, the, uh, the one about the icebox. 
if you have two lefties. Oh, I like that one. That was fun. That was fun. The one with uh, Topher Grace. Yeah. So also known as the world's worst venom. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's not his fault. You can only do so much with what you're 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 given. Some actors can't transcend just, bad writing, but it, it was yeah. not a casting choice that made a lot of sense. I get and I don't blame him. It's not. It wasn't a talent problem. It was a characterization problem. Well, it was. It, we're way off topic of Love, Death, and Robots. But Sam Raimi said he d- he never read Venom. He was a '70s reader, so he didn't understand the character, and that's why the, he didn't do it right. So one thing I, I was listening to our old episode where we we're talking about Love, Death, and Robots, and uh, we've talked a lot about the uh, amount of uh, female nudity that's in that uh, in that show. But I, I think it bears a mention. There is a lot of dude nudity too <laughs> oh yeah no no it's it's about equal i, yeah. I don't think it was no. one way or the other yes you know and and is is some of the dude nudity gratuitous yes yes it is uh the werewolf episode the, yeah, the werewolf episode comes to mind oh my god yeah there was a whole lot of dude in that one yeah yeah and the werewolf episode is actually the one i had the biggest problem with because it it didn't have like a great plot it was just gory and i and the episodes that sort of transcended their their limitation, where they just tried to tell a, a an interesting story in fifteen odd minutes, like those worked. But the werewolf one just seemed to be this like you know, it's like oh hey, we'll just have a lot of dude nudity and gore for fifteen minutes. So I I liked it because it's werewolves, and werewolves are my favorite monster. And so getting getting to watch some cool werewolves do cool werewolf stuff was was fun, and and there were some aspects of it that were interesting. That said. Yeah, I know what you mean. It didn't really go anywhere. Which is why I like Zima Blue, because it, it went somewhere weird. No, Zima Blue was Zima Blue's plot was fantastic. I, it was purely a visual medium that I didn't care for. And and Icebox went somewhere That's weird, my too. That's issue with it. I, I really liked Icebox. And the last two episodes are pretty good, too. So still highly recommend it. It's an easy show to binge because it's like, what, 18 episodes? And I, the longest one, I, I think, is still less than 20 minutes. And there's several of them that are, you know, less than 10 no, I think the longest one that I recall off the top of my head is 17. Yeah, there's several that are 17. I'm, I'm looking through the list right now. But yeah, yeah, they don't go over 17. So there you go. Two weekends ago, we took the kids over to the uh, theater for the cheap show, and we all got to sit down and watch Captain Marvel. You mean the theater that was formerly known as uh, it was a draft house before it moved? No, no. We went to the Cinemark right around the corner. Oh, okay, cool. But But Saturday and Sunday mornings, they have the first run, and it's like five bucks a ticket. Oh, nice. Okay. Which is not, you know, fourteen fifty or whatever the heck it is nowadays. Because I, I, I was able to take my kids to the movies for under 40 bucks. So what did you think of Captain Marvel? We all really enjoyed it. I had a great time. And seeing my little girl see a, 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 um, a hero like that was really fun. And there were a couple aspects of it that were particularly uh, engaging and interesting to me. Um, being that I grew up, in, as you did, in, in Southern California at that time, it was, it was a neat little trip. In that respect. Yeah, that's true. Uh, which was really that part of it was my favorite part. I, I, I was hitting the serious nostalgia at that uh, during the entire movie. Young Sam Jackson was awesome. Young Phil Coulson was slightly creepy. Like, I don't know why they nailed Sam Jackson so well, but not Phil. But Phil felt a little, just a just a smidge off. Like like he made the hair on the back of your neck stand up because it wasn't quite right. Sam Jackson, uh, Captain Marvel buddy cop movie was was worth though that was fun oh my god it was brilliant like putting those two together is fantastic and i cannot wait to see where that that relationship goes yeah i mean like we're, we're taking the kids to end game this weekend so don't 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 
go too deep into it. Cause I'm not going to, I did it. Spoilers. You know, I will say this about captain Marvel. Um, so I've got the boys, right. And I remember when Eowyn was the boys age, I was stressing, stressing. It was hard to find things that were her, you know? Yeah. Once again, rep- representation matters. But I remember stressing about it, even just as simple as like listening to music, like having to go through and cherry pick out because because Eowyn liked rock and there if you go looking for it, you can find it. But it's it's still difficult. But like, for example, the boys, for whatever reason, really like ACDC. And it is not hard to play hours and hours of ACDC <laughs> with minimal effort. Like absolutely none. And and it's just the difference in being able to get the boys media is weird. And I, I started to realize recently that I, I have the opposite problem. There's so much that I have to be a little bit more picky about it because a lot of boys media doesn't have great lessons with how men should behave. That is definitely something I, I need to be a little bit more conscious of with them, which luckily we have a ton of Steven Universe, which, you know, Steve, uh, St- Steven, uh, the title character, he, he, he's a good kid. So I, I, I've been trying to introduce that slowly to the boys, but they've been resisting, although they like the magic school bus. So whatever, I, I guess I'm not doing too bad. <laughs> no, you really could do far worse. Yeah, but it, I, I don't know. That's just that's just what I thought about with Captain Marvel. Just just how. You know, like we started watching Spider-Man uh, Homecoming. Uh, one of the boys really likes Spider-Man. And he said whenever Spider-Man's on screen, he's like, Spider-Man, look, look, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And it's it's just like, yeah, it was it was easy. But like up until like, I don't know, Spider-Verse, like was there a spider character that you could get on screen that was, you know, a lady? I, I guess uh, one of the Disney shows with Spider-Man had had Spider-Gwen for a little bit, I think. But still, I mean, it's just it's it just sucks. <laughs> Anyway, representation matters. It, it's it's and, and now I've got the opposite problem, which is weird, but whatever. But Jonathan, if you ever need to use me for for good media for your girl, I've, I've done it somewhat recently. So I, I can my little pony, man. It's where it's at. Oh, Sophia loves my little pony. <sighs> the show's great. <laughs> I can't, man. I can't. I can't. I can't. Dude, I tried. I that sat down. Good. I watched an episode and I just wanted to repeatedly slam my head in the door. Well, maybe you didn't write the, watch. Oh, which episode did you watch? I don't know. The one with the ponies. It's just not for me, man. Dude, dude. Okay. Okay. The pro- I tried. I sat down. The problem is, the problem is like she the first. painted my nails. The first season, especially, they did not realize that they had adult fans. But like by about the midpoint of season one and definitely by season two, there are a lot of jokes at, at adult expense in there, which are funny, like background ponies, like uh, the the trio from uh, the Big Lebowski as as ponies just hanging around is hilarious. Like they do stuff like that all the time. And and the later episodes get much better about that because they realize there's adults watching like a lot of adults watching. So they throw them a lot of bones, which is really fun. My favorite's Dr. Hooves. <laughs> Well, okay. So speaking of Endgame, which you're going to go see this weekend, I saw Avengers Endgame. Like I was culturally relevant. I, I, I forgot how that felt, Jonathan. I mean, I wasn't like super culturally re- relevant because I didn't see it on opening weekend. I saw it on opening Tuesday. But yeah, seeing it on like you know discount Saturday. So yeah, well, whatever. You got to do what you got to do. I got a big family. I'm, I'm, I'm good. There's six of us that are going. Amelia's staying behind. I was worried about taking anyone to it because I read a review where people said it was a lot darker. Uh, I disagree. Infinity War was dark because, you know, the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. This one. This one's not nearly as dark. It's more existentially dark, but I think that would sail past a kid. 
because it'll be darker for you than I think for your children. They don't they don't get why it's dark. Well, since you're going to see it, I will I will not do my spoilerific thing that I hear people complaining about on the internet that is totally obvious if you just pay attention. We can talk about that next time, Jonathan. Okay? Uh, yeah, we can definitely go into it next time. I just don't want to go into today. That's true. That's true. So and by the time next time rolls around, the movie will have been out more than a month, and I'll feel comfortable saying that if anybody's going to see it in the theater, they've done it. Well, you know what's crazy about that movie? So, you know, um, if if a movie has – an average movie makes about 50% less than it did on opening weekend on its second weekend. And if it makes – a movie made more than some full production runs right. in its second weekend. It's nuts. Right, right, right. But um, – and if it makes – if it loses more than that, it's considered a bad sign about it. And uh, Endgame uh, only made uh, – it, it, it lost 59% of the money it made on its opening weekend, which, you know, by most estimates would be really bad. But I think that just goes to show how many how people much money it made on its opening. weekend. Yeah. Just how many people went and saw it, you know, like the percentages don't matter when you're making like a billion dollars in your opening weekend. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I can't wait to talk to you about it, Jonathan. Uh, my, my initial review, my initial no spoiler review, if, if it honestly was going to be the last movie in the series, I would have been more impressed. But the more I think about the movie, the more I like it. So it, it's it's growing That's on me. That's always awesome. That's great. Yeah. So I kind of want to go see it again because I, I the story there's a lot to unpack in that story, and I'd, I'd like to see it and watch it sort of spool out, knowing where it, where it meanders to. Go see Avengers Endgame. Although you really do have to see like every movie. There and are, I have multiple oh, times. Oh my god! The there's so many callbacks. Of, the exception of Captain Marvel that I've only seen the one time. Yeah. But it's fresh, so I know I'm not going to miss anything. All right, so what else have you been watching? Uh, Game of Thrones, season eight. Nice. Really good. Don't want to do any spoilers on that one either. I completely disagree. The uh, The Battle of, uh, of Winterfell was terrible. It was the most tactically stupid thing I've ever seen. Oh, well, from a military tactics perspective, yeah, absolutely. It was like it was uh, commanded by an eight-year-old, but... Things happen. I'm having fun. The characters are growing in interesting ways. Uh, I particularly like the episode after the Battle of Winterfell. And I won't go into any reasons why, just in case nobody's sure who is and is not still with us. So uh, I will just suffice it to say I have been enjoying the character growths. And I see I see like I feel like they're telegraphing some punches and it's going to be interesting punches. I think people are passing around the idiot ball really hard. It's just flying, flying. They have a right to make bad choices, too. No, there's there's a difference between a character making a poor choice that's in character and there's a character making a stupid choice because they have to do it to move the story along. And that is the idiot ball. And that's what they're doing. You think that's what they do? Oh, yes. People are making dumb decisions because they have to to move the plot along. And it's like, well, that's not good characterization. No, I'm with you on that part. No, I mean, like from a military perspective and, and you know, as a as a history major and somebody who who specializes in, in the military component of history, I can tell you right now, like dumb choices. Martin pays attention to that because a lot of the stuff that happens in that in the in the series is based off of things that happened in real life. And so the fact that it's suddenly when he wasn't at the helm anymore, just everybody got really tactically stupid. It's like just to hire it. There's a guy I watch on YouTube who, who's really, who broke it down really good. Like he said, this is how you defend against this with the castle that they already have based off of everything I see. And I know they're not going to do it, but he did this whole thing like a week before the episode came out and he, and he was like, exactly right. 
And it's like just well, I mean, like, how about the fact that they stopped firing artillery? <sighs> anyway, okay, okay, no more game. Why, why would you even stop? Anyway, John, don't even get me started about like the complete waste of horse calf. Yes. Anyway, Jonathan. So yes, and you know I love me some horse calf from our war machine days. <laughs> Yours were like the second best in the game. Mine were um, mine were first best. Or, although in Mark Three, they're not. Horse cavalry is important, man. There's a reason why it was so it was so used in in old battles. So okay, okay, enough with Game of Thrones. We'll we'll wait. We can we can bitch about it like a month after it all airs. I have been plowing through Altered Carbon. We're on episode. We just finished episode five. Ah, something I can talk about. I love that show. So initial impressions, because they're the the setup is basically uh, this guy gets hired to solve a murder. But, you know, it's in the future with people swapping bodies. So he gets hired to solve the murder of a guy that he's talking to because he got murdered. But then he had a copy because it's weird. It took him five episodes to get to a point where you actually started finding out stuff like about what happened, which was weird. And I think it might have been just like an episode too long because I, I get what they're doing. They're like setting up. I, I could tell they're setting up a lot of stuff, but it just it was just meandering. And, and like the main character was like, you're such this crazy badass. And it's like this dude is just like wandering around murdering folk and, and not really getting anywhere. It's like, come on, like get get to something. And then episode five happened. And it's like, oh, thank God we're getting somewhere. Finally, finally. That you is know who's going to play Takeshi Kovac. In yeah, yeah. Falcon. Two? Yeah. Falcon. Yeah, yeah. man. I like him. Anyway, that's that's my only complaint. It took a little while to get rolling. It's got 10 episodes and it took a full four of them to world build enough where it could feel comfortable enough to progress the plot, which I get it. It's a weird world, but I just wish they could have done something a little bit better to move it along because it just it felt felt like it was meandering a little bit. That's my only complaint. It's actually a really good show. And uh, and and episode five actually advancing the plot finally was was good. And oh boy, speaking of, of nudity. Of of uh, of men and women, that show has a lot of nudity. <laughs> yep, everybody be walking around without pants. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know the sleeves, man. They don't have anything on when they store them. They're little plastic goo bags. So ugh, the goo bag really got to me. Like when they open it up and just goo comes out. I'm like, oh, that's like preservatives or something. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> preservatives, dude. They're organic goo bags. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, they're recyclable. yeah they're recyclable because they just bring in someone's dog and he just looks it up off the ground to like vomit well and because i was alone and had an opportunity to watch movies that i can't normally watch because my wife hates horror movies i also watched bird box is that the sandra bullock i can't see one yes okay yes wearing a basically they're all like uh, blind kenshi from mortal Kombat at that point uh it was interesting uh i i liked a lot of it i uh have you seen it no there's a guy in it. I don't recognize him. He's a really good actor. He plays uh, kind of like uh, one of the characters that is holed up during the entirety of the, the film. And, uh, man, like I was thinking about him and I was like, oh, dude, he could totally reboot Blade. Like there's there's your Blade for 2019. Hmm. Dear world, you're welcome. You know what I would be super impressed with? They rolled that into the Marvel uh uh, extended universe. It totally could. It totally could. I don't know, man. Uh, adding vampires into the mix might be a stretch. I'm just saying. Yeah, really? That's where you're drawing the line? Vampires are a little goofy. I, I don't like, like... Legitimately, that's where you're drawing the I, line. I don't like vampires in general. We're drawing the line there. I don't like vampires in any superhero universe. It's It just gets a little goofy at that point. It's, it's Aliens all up and down this bitch, but you're, you're drawing the line there. It asks some weird questions. Can you make aliens into vampires? 
You know, can there be Why a scroll? Not? They're vib- organic. Can there be a scroll Dracula, a Scracula? Like, does that work? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I've never really dug vampires. When they made Jubilee a vampire, I just, I just groaned. I, I'm like, oh, really? They, they took her, her powers away in M Day and they made her a vampire. That's how she got, okay. And you know how Jubilee got to walk around in daylight? How she was a daywalker? Because she would drink Wolverine's blood and it would keep her embloodinated for quite a while because it would regenerate in her and she could walk around during the day. At least that makes thematic sense. Yeah, it was. Uh, nah, I, I draw the line of vampires. Like, like, I would rather them spin off a Marvel Cinematic Universe of horror crap that was like a parallel universe. Honestly, I'm okay with Blade just being a standalone. I don't need him to be part of the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. I gotta be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Reading, read anything? Nope. I read Shazam, the uh, the comic that the movie is very explicitly based on. It was okay. Oh, that's cool. Was it as good? Uh, no, the movie's better. Wow, that's saying something. That's usually a flip, huh? Yeah, well, it, the movie uh, iterated on it because there's some stuff that doesn't work, and the movie just ignored it. <laughs> that's probably wise. Yeah, they made a uh, Billy Billy's character. They they made him a little bit more uh, in the comic. He's uh, a little bit more of a uh, what's it in Star Wars? The the scoundrels and is it the bounty hunters. Like the bounty hunters are the bad ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the comic, he's it's, a little bit more. Uh, He's a scoundrel, but he's a little bit more bounty hunter. Scum and villainy. Scum and villainy. Yeah. So in the in the <laughs> in the 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 thing of between are you a scoundrel or are you scum and villainy? Comic Billy was much more closer to scum and villainy, whereas movie Billy was m- much more of a scoundrel. Like like very obviously a very I don't want to say Han Solo ish, but he 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 did bad things, but he was doing bad things to do not bad stuff. Yeah. You got to see the movie to get what I mean. But yeah, the comic book, he was a little bit more of a, of a, you know, a delinquent, a juvenile delinquent. Cause he would just do things for the sake of doing them. If that makes any sense. But yeah. If, if you like the movie, read the, read the comic. It's, it's pretty much it. A to Z. Although they cut out black Adams, the, the big bad in the comic and Dr. Savannah is, or Savannah or whatever his name is. He's kind of like the secondary big bad. And for the movie, they just kind of jam those two characters together. Because, yeah, I guess they didn't want to pay The Rock or something, which makes sense. It would have been too much. You know, Black Adam should be Is his own movie. Is that still moving forward, that movie? Yeah, they're filming it. Black Adam's going to happen, and then they're going to have Shazam versus Black Adam for Shazam 2. And it all ties into the greater universe, right? With whatever they're doing. Who knows? Who knows? Video games, Jonathan. So I've been playing all the same old stuff, a little bit of Overwatch, a little bit of uh, World of Warships, and uh, I booted up Civilization Five for some reason because I could. Yeah. And um, I'm just playing them because I'm passing the time waiting for Dragon Quest Builders 2 to come out in July. So there you go. Nothing new to add because there's nothing new to say about any of those games. What have you been playing? Uh, a lot of the same stuff. Mortal Kombat 11 continues to be brilliant and wonderful. Division continues to be a fun loot grinder. Apex continues to be a great competitive shooter. And then the only new thing that I've really been playing is I got back into Sea of Thieves. They released their uh, big anniversary update. Mm-hmm. And they actually added narrative stuff and they diversified a lot of the loot that you can pick up. And they, they just generally added a whole new layer of complexity to the game. So it's been it's been really, really fun. Um, but don't play that one alone. That only works if you play with with friends. And if anybody wants to do Sea of Thieves and be on my crew, you let me know. Also, you need to have a an xbox i don't have one so i can't be no you can do it on pc too oh it is cross-platform that's that's great i don't i have a mac that's that's that i I mean what's the what's the thing that they have the 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 boot camp boot camp camp it i guess i've been having this weird itch to play dragon age one again 
going to need to boot camp that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any board games for you, Robert? More potion explosion playing that with the wife. It's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. I actually am starting to come out of my chrysalis, Robert. Oh, what have you been playing? Uh, now that Amelia is starting to get a little bit older, she's starting to sleep a little bit more. I've actually managed to get a couple games to the table. Uh, met up with a buddy of mine and we played Heroes of Normandy, the tactical card game, uh, which I had received from Kickstarter. Yeah, you sent me a picture of that. That's it. Was, it looked nice. When you first glance at the rules, you're like, "Wow, this is really light. There's not much here." Wow, is it deep? There's a lot going on there. It's just not rules heavy. It's modifier heavy. Hmm, okay. I really was enjoying that. We had a great, great time. And then what's Critical Mass? It's a game about mechs fighting mechs, but it's all card-driven. And it comes in two starter sets. One starter set is Patriot versus the Iron Curtain. I'll let you guess at, at, at who they are heavily veiling in that. And the other is Raijin versus Archon. And it's basically uh, Pacific Rim minus the monsters. Uh, and all of the combat is driven by cards in an interesting way. Hmm. And what's great is that each of the starter sets comes with uh, some predetermined sets uh, for you to get started with. But then it also gives you rules on how to build your own deck for your uh, for your mech. And um, that's really where it gets its depth. Nice. You had me at giant robots. I'm looking at it. Yeah. And, and what's great is the each starter set comes with uh, enough for two players. You can put them together and continue to play two players. Just mix and match the, the starter sets for effect. And then you can actually bring them all together and do like three and four player combat as well. So that's it. That's really what I've had on the table. Sorry, I'm looking at pictures. I don't want to I don't want to go too deep into it because I, I, I have a feeling we might deep dive this one. Oh, they're two separate games. How cute. Yeah. Critical Mass is one. Heroes of Normandy tactical card games. Yeah. Well, no, there's Critical Mass, Patriot versus Iron Curtain. And then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're the exact same game. It's just a matter of am I am I playing with one one force or the other? And that's uh, that's what we've had on the table. I'm very disappointed. Nobody played the Game of Thrones ghoul pool with us for episode three. I played it. I know you, you, you wrecked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I nailed it. Although I do have to modify my score. I put myself down for 56, but that was based on ghost not showing up again. Uh, so f- f- 51 points for me. Yeah, I got 20 something. I thought I thought a lot more people were going to die. I thought that was going to be a nah, massacre. It was too early. I knew it wasn't time yet. Well, but there's only so many episodes, you know. Like I thought they would. I thought they would really thin the cast to make it to, to make it seem that much more desperate because you know the the battle was pretty bad. <laughs> a lot of people died. <laughs> ah, but we're not going to go into it. Truth. Play us out, Jonathan. Well, that's what we've had off the shelf. We're going to be right back after a quick break. A few words from ourselves, as we are currently our best sponsor certainly our most handsome and when we return it will be time for wisdom of crowds do you have a tabletop board game miniature game or rpg that you're going to release for retail or do you have an upcoming tabletop kickstarter that you're about to launch we would love to interview you for a future episode of the forgot my dice podcast send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview And welcome back. It is now, of course, time for our Wisdom of Crowds. This is our segment where we talk about all the wonderful, wonderful news that is uh, hitting the airwaves right now. And the tide is in. It's yeah, ha- in hard. Definitely. And it's that time of year. Wizards of the Coast hired James Olhen 
uh, to open up a video game studio in your Austin, Texas, sir. I know. I've, I've, it's been actually making the local news, too. If you recognize the name, he was one of the lead developers on Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, Neverwinter Nights, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, the classic one, and the MMO. He did both. Um, and Dragon Age. And he is going to make a video game studio for Wizards to do something. Uh, they've kind of hinted at it's a new IP. And my dream of dreams is Wizards gets their act together and they do like a a like a, a four peat or whatever, a three, a three fur or whatever, where they release a video game that has a setting, you know, that's like kind of a Dragon Age style game, right? Has a D&D base because why wouldn't you? You know, yeah. just use a rule set. But it's also a magic plane. So they release a magic set set in the same world at the same time. Because it's a D&D world, it's also the D&D license. So like WizKids can do miniatures and board games and Gale Force 9 could do, you know, stuff. It would be awesome. That is all speculation, though. But whatever. Wizards of the Coast is opening up their own internal game studio and hiring a guy who's known for doing really good RPGs like Dragon Age and Neverwinter Nights and Baldur's Gate. And I want that. (laughs) Uh, I think a lot of people want that. I want that. Well, if you've been listening to this show, then you certainly know what a big fan of Scythe I am. And I was kind of sad because after Rise of Fenris, I thought that the, uh, the, the expansions and the places that Scythe could take us had come to a close. I was wrong. Oh, well, if you were right, that was going to be a really short little thing of news. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> okay, over to me. Well, uh, Jonathan. No, they're releasing a new <laughs> expansion, and this is an interesting one. It is a modular board for Scythe. So it takes all of the, the map tiles. <laughs> it's and like makes Settlers it, of Catan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And makes it modular so that you can That's amazing. basically create new and interesting environments every time you play. And what's cool is that the Automa mode, the, the little automatic mode that you can play against to, to play mm-hmm. one player, it will work within the confines of this with just one modification. Hmm. That's cool. I like it. It's neat. I'm really excited about it. It's uh, it's it's a super cool way of, of bringing a new new life to a, a game that's been around for a bit. I completely agree. It reminds me of like Twilight Imperium, the first and only game I ever played of that. Jonathan, I kind of got stuck in a corner where the, I I had a really cool bottleneck. There was only really one way in and one way out, and uh, yeah, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jonathan, are you a fan? Of the movie Alien? You know this to be true. You know, I'm counting down the days until I can uh, have a a birthday for Carlos and have a bunch of his little friends over and then just pop in Alien and just watch watch their understanding of what horror is completely be redefined. Do you like the movie Aliens? Uh, Yeah, it's just maybe the best sequel ever made. Do you like the movie Alien 3? You know what? Honestly, I'm not a hater. I actually get some modicum of enjoyment out of Alien 3. Do you like the sound of a role-playing game based in that universe that ignores all of the other Alien movies except the original trilogy? Wow. That actually is right up my alley. So the Free League, makers of Tales from the Loop, announced that they are going to make an Alien RPG based off of the Year Zero engine, so from Mutant Year Zero. It's going to have two modes, a one-shot mode where you just get to do your own little version of Alien where everybody can die. You know, it's funny that you say Mutant Year Zero because I totally forgot to tell you during video games. I'm actually playing that new Mutant Year Zero uh, video game. 
you need to get more sleep, sir. You told me about that last time. It was the free Xbox game, and you said it's kind of RPG-like, but then it goes into XCOM, and you were yeah. digging it. I, I Yeah, I do need to get more sleep. That's not even remotely <laughs> in question. <laughs> Moving so, right along. So the RPG is set in the year 2183, which is a few years after the events of Alien 3. It's going to have a you know a campaign mode, a one-shot mode where everybody can die. And it sounds like it's uh, what has happened is it's going to be a little bit more of a science fiction universe. So it won't just be all xenomorphs all the time because basically Wayland Yutani kind of stirred the hornet's nest because, you know, what happened at Hadley's Hope got out. And now everybody's like, whoa, like a megacorp is fooling around with crazy biological weapons. And it's kind of destabilized, you know, the, the various factions and sort of like some sort of space America versus space Russia Cold War that happens in the future. So I, I kind of like that. I, I like the expanded premise, but then, you know, you, you can throw aliens at people because that's always fun. And, and I think they're stealing from the unused script for alien th- three or four that somebody wrote on the space station, which sounded okay. But then we got a different movie. I think it was a, the original script for alien three. I think it was the original for alien three. If I recall correctly. Yeah. 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 Is it Gibson that wrote that one? William Gibson? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think they're 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 riffing from that. So that that's good because I actually I don't know if that would have made a good movie, but it, it they started introducing stuff that I, I I liked expanding the universe beyond just like evil corporation. Do you remember the Alien versus or Alien versus Predator uh Capcom uh four player co op game? Yeah. That came out in the arcades? Yeah. So oddly enough, I actually read a spec script uh, for the first Alien vs. Predator movie that was basically that video game. Yeah, yeah, the video game's based off that script. <laughs> yeah, it's... Why didn't we get that? I think that game's coming out in a Capcom collection of some sort, too. So there Yeah, they're you go. releasing a bunch of their older uh, older uh, cabinet stuff. I'm really That's excited cool. about it, actually. Anyway, we are way off topic of the Alien RPG. I will be buying that. Uh, I too will be buying. Sorry, Gina, that that will be mine. That that'll be my first new RPG purchase this year because I've only been buying D and D stuff beyond that. So I've been I've been slowing down. But an alien RPG with an expanded universe, yeah, that's yeah. Do you remember a little while ago when Bloodborne the card game came out from Simon? Yes. And everybody was like, "Oh yeah, this is cool. This is an Eric Lang game, but like, where are the minis? Because it's a card game." Okay, go on. Simon has heard those things because they're now bringing Bloodborne the board game. And man, these are some good looking minis, like stupid good. It's from the direct. It's from the designer of uh, Xenoshift Onslaught, uh, which was the, I believe, second Xenoshift game, also known as the deck builder that just wants to watch you cry in the corner, like the hardest thing ever made, I think. (laughs) And uh, and Eric Lang, who we all know who Eric Lang is. Yes, yes. Diana Jones Award. Didn't he win the Diana Jones Award? Yeah, I think so. Like a year or two ago. So there you go. It's looking really cool. I keep hitting refresh on my Gmail because uh, I signed up for the Aliens RPG newsletter because I keep forgetting to do it. And I keep hoping they'll send me something because I signed up right away, but they're not sending me anything. Okay, you're going to be my man on point on that because I really do want that. I'm legitimately telling you I want that. I, 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 I... you will you will you will know because i will be i will be excited when that comes out catalyst game labs announced for the 30th anniversary of Shadowrun, they're releasing a sixth edition of the rpg i'm excited yeah i i did not know this so every edition of Shadowrun, uh they like keeping it quote 
60 years and six months in the future. So when the new game comes out, which it should be out in uh, at Gen Con, it sounds like it'll be 2080. Yeah, it'll be it'll be yeah, it'll be 2080. It'll be early in 2080, like February. And yeah, yeah, uh, I, I did not know that, but that that makes sense. Six years and six months. That that's weird math, though. You think they would just do the sixty years and not the sixty years and six months? That just makes math weird. But whatever. No, I'm sure Maybe, there's a reason. I'm sure there's a reason. Yeah, there probably is. Um, so it will use the dice pillagen from fourth and fifth uh, edition. Uh, the edge system apparently has been completely overhauled. Uh, the skill list has been greatly reduced, which is good because big skill lists generally don't work. Although there are exceptions. Uh, the magic system is getting an overhaul to make the spells more modular, and you can go to ShadowrunSixthWorld.com for more info. And right now, all that's there is a cool countdown clock, but it is kind of cool. Have you seen the countdown? Cl- click on the link. It's a cool countdown clock. All right, hold on. Oh, that is a cool countdown clock. Yeah, it just keeps spinning. It's cool. Forty-six days. I think it's coming out at Origins. If I remember my, my uh, stuff correctly. Forty-six days. What would that be? Be a month and a half from now, give or take. So in the middle of uh, July, right around the time Dragon Quest yeah, Builders Two comes out. Hey, you know what's crazy? Castle Panic's been out for ten years. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh man, because because Castle Panic was pretty new when my store opened, and and yeah, man, my store's been closed for a while. Time is flying. Yeah, it really is, man. It really is. But uh, yeah, it, it has been 10 years since Castle Panic came out, and they're releasing the Castle Panic Big Box. It's uh, Castle Panic, uh, three expansions. It's uh, Dark Titan, Engines of War, and The Wizard's Tower. And it's going to have 12 promo cards in it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, all the Castle Panic you could possibly ever want in one giant box from Fireside Games. And it looks really cool. Like, uh, that, that, that game has actually aged pretty well. It, it's always enjoyable. And I love the little system they have for tracking health where you're actually just spinning a triang- uh, triangle. It's a, it's a clever way of, of keeping track of health. I'm sure you've heard of Three Dragon Ante, right? Yes. Yes. So back in 2005, uh, Rob Hainso designed Three Dragon Ante uh, as a game of chance that's played within the, the universe of Dungeons & Dragons, right? Yeah, it's like their their version of poker or something, if I remember correctly. Exactly, exactly. Well, we are getting in 2019 the three dragon anti legendary edition which updates the design and gives it a big old graphical overhaul thank god because by the time i heard about that and wanted to own it it had gone out of print (laughs) and i was so sad and it's getting the overhaul nice i yeah i've heard people say it's a really good game like surprisingly good and I've actually heard of people using it during their game. Like if they're running an adventure where they're sitting around gambling in a bar, like you can actually bust that out and like play hands of it. I've heard of people doing that, which I thought was kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Jonathan, have you heard of a little thing called Gen Con? Uh, yeah, you know, once or twice. It's a once thing. or twice. It's a thing. So have I ever been able to go to a Gen Con? No, no, I don't believe you. No, no, no. Uh, you know, cause I got kids and, you know, I can't leave the wife in lurch right now with all the young kids. And I'm, I'm sure Ray's in the same situation. He's got packs unplugged pretty close, but I don't think he can go to Gen Con. Well, you know what? Gen Con has like tuned into whatever wavelength that me and Ray, and I'm sure other people are thinking in, and they have announced this year that they're going to do Gen Con pop-up. So what this is going to be is 
Uh, 40 retailers around our great nation are going to get kits with the new hotness from Gen Con, new board games. And I, it sounds like it's only demo copies, but it sounds like they might be enough that they can sell some too. I'm not sure. They haven't, they've been a little cagey on what they're going to do. But you can basically get kind of like a mini Gen Con in one of these 40 cities. And uh, it's kind of up to the retailer how they handle that. But I, I'm just thinking, like, we've got a really big game store here in Portland. I'm hoping they get it because I, you know, I can't go to Gen Con because of the kids, but I can go downtown for an afternoon for sure. And uh, that sounds very fun. So, yeah, uh, go to the Gen Con website. I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, and they're going to announce the list of cities very soon, which sounds fun. That is cool. I like that. That's really neat, actually. Well, my last bit of news, uh, other than the fact that I'm now under a flash flood watch, is that Fantasy Flight is releasing a new expansion, a 160-card expansion for Star Wars Destiny. Mm. A Spark of Hope. So this is uh, Last Jedi-related, I take it? Uh, yeah, it's a continuation of the Convergence expansion, uh, So it's uh, which, which was pretty much Last Jedi. So um, they've already released some pictures of cards. Uh, there's an Admiral Thrawn. There's a Kylo Ren, a Rey. Um, there's a great one of Han and Chewie with uh, the uh, cockpit of the Millennium Falcon going into hyperspace, which is really cool. All right. Well, my last bit of news is, Jonathan, do you like pirates? Oh, you know I do. So what if you took pirates and added to it humanoid anthropomorphic dogs a.k.a. Pugmire. You'd basically be getting my money. Yes. So coming to Kickstarter soon, TM? Blizzard soon? I'm not sure how soon. But soon. Some level of soon. Is Pirates of Pugmire. And that is literally all we know. They released a, they released the logo for it. And, and that is that. But it'll be coming to Kickstarter. A pirate adventure book. I'm looking at it right now. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? Yeah, this is awesome, man. This is like ridiculously awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There. You Why go. did it take so long for this to come into existence? Well, I don't know. They had to do the pirate. They had to do the the fantasy one, and then they had to do the fantasy cats because you can't not do cats. And then yeah, they had to do this one. This is so up my alley. It's disgusting. <laughs> well, I will let you know when that pops up. But yes, get your pirate humanoid anthropomorphic dog uh based off of fifth edition too it's it's kind of tinkered with but it's still fifth edition so there you go cool stuff i am down i am so down well that gets through the news which means that it's now time to get our look back machine going robert you're not gonna do the whole year in life we're just not gonna call it that anymore i don't know uh, do you want me to introduce i thought you were gonna kick in right there okay i can kick in i can kick in i'm just saying no 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 it's it's cool you know what the moment's passed no 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 you the moment's passed i'm fine forgot my dice episode 41 one victim ah 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 two (laughs) victims Ah, ah, ah. (laughs) we played or you played the order of vampire hunters it's still it's such a neat game i like that game it's not like it's the only co-op uh, dungeon crawler in the in the universe, but yeah, it's just such a fun theme. And who doesn't like uh, staking vampires? Well, it, it's kind of unique in that adventure game thing because it uh, it's modern. You know, there aren't a lot that are actually modern, and if they are, the only other modern one I can think of is sci-fi with uh, level seven. So horror modern is is an interesting twist on the whole angle. I like it, and the minis are pretty. Yeah, and they had that day night cycle thing that's so cool too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I played yeah. with a couple of the expansions. Uh, it's really fun. Like I, they, I've got the Castle Dracula expansion, the From Blood to Dust, and the Night is Darker, and the enemies that it adds with those are really neat. Like it gives it some really nice variety. I will say this about the game: I don't know how easy it is to find. Uh, you know, I don't think they did a reprint on the Kickstarter, but it really is worth the hunt if you if you like that co-op adventure thing. <laughs> worth the hunt, huh? Uh, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. <laughs> I, I, it's almost like I host a podcast or something. If you did that on purpose, I'd be impressed. Oh, there's nothing I don't do on purpose, my friend. <laughs> All right, I need to get a drink of water. My eyes are like dried out. I like can't see the screen. You know when you're you're like that thirsty where your eyes can't focus because you because <laughs> they're dry. I'm there. I'm like squinting and and my monitor's like about two feet from me. <laughs> I need to get a drink of water, Jonathan. Let me go. Place out. Do your thing. Well, that brings us to the end of our year in the life segment, which means it is time for another short break. And when we get back, it will be time to deep dive. And this week, instead of a game, we're doing a discussion topic. We're going to be deep diving gaming for two. Yes. Little yes, little we are. Little, little you, one, two, just you and me. No. Oh, shoot. I, was, I got nothing. I'm going. I'm going to go get a drink of water. <laughs> All right. See you in a minute. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back. It is now, of course, time for our last segment of the evening, and that is our deep dive. And instead of going into a specific game today, we're going to have a discussion topic. And today's discussion topic is, of course, something that Robert and I deal a lot with, which is gaming for two. Jonathan, you're uh, you're married, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's fair to say. And, you know, you play games with your wife. I know um, Brendan actually mentions that he, he plays games with his wife frequently. Uh, just the two of them. Indeed, indeed. I don't think it's an uncommon situation to be in. You want to play a game, and you can't get a, a group together, but you've got your spouse, who I hope, hopefully, is a willing participant in gaming. But whatever. <laughs> but I know Jessica wasn't much of a board gamer, but you've sort of slowly been converting her. I, I remember your epic. Yeah, uh, every so often, I get lucky and I can I can get some traction with something. Yeah, I remember your your epic. Uh, what was it? Uh, Hero Realms. Mm-hmm. Battles. Do you have anything you're, you guys are doing right now? Or you two are really busy with with Amelia right now. No, we've been we've been so busy with the baby. There's nothing going on. <laughs> That's a shame. But yeah, you know, board games. Uh, if you're if you're a couple, they're a good date night because you don't really have to go out, and, and they're relatively cheap for the entertainment you get. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just something I, I always keep an eye out for, and especially when I own the shop too. You know, like uh, just. Gaming for two was was like a topic. People would bring it up. People looked for games that were good for that. So it's a different experience with two as well. Not just not just if you're married, but also if you've just got, you know, one one friend that's available or, 
if you've got one kid that can play games and the others aren't quite ready for that level of game yet, etc. I mean, like, gaming for two just brings a different challenge. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so here's the hypothetical question. What makes a good game for two, do you think, Jonathan? Well, I mean, I think it depends. So there's a lot of games that are designed specifically for two players, and so they're tuned for, for that player count, etc. And then there's some games that do scale up and, and uh, are available to other players, but... Uh, for whatever reason, because of the design or because of luck or because they're co-op, etc., they scale down to two in a, in a real nice, perfect fashion. Gina was mentioning that games that sort of require faction building, like Scythe or something. I, I've never played Scythe with two people. I know you can, but uh, yeah, it's kind of like hard to play like Monopoly with just two players, you know, because you, there, there's not people to trade with or Risk, I guess, would be another good one. Yeah, but I mean, Scythe, Scythe ultimately, yes, it's functional with two players, but it you have so much room to grow that you're never running into each other. And so the tension is gone. Yeah, yeah. Just in case people haven't played those games, Jonathan, uh, the game specifically designed for two. Uh, what are some good ones? I wrote a few down off the top of my head, uh, like Seven Wonders Duel. Star Realms and Duelisaur Island, and I just remember Duelisaur Island because Duelisaur is hilarious. That's like the best name ever. <laughs> I haven't even played Dinosaur Island, Jonathan. I haven't even played the thing it's based on. Just Duelisaur Island, like just just seared its way onto my brain. Like I cannot forget that word now. Just tickled you pink. Yeah, it did. <laughs> well, let's talk about games that are designed specifically for for a two player account, uh, which is not to say that some of them won't be able to to spool up beyond that because there's ancillary rule sets. But these are these are games that out of the box, it's it's two players, one versus the other, and let's see where that takes us. So I think all three of the ones that you said, Seven Wonders Duel, Star Realms Duel, Soar, those are really good places to to go. Along with Star Realms, of course, is Hero Realms, which I played a lot with my wife. That's another good uh, two-player card game. But more recently, uh, in the card game arena, has been Keyforge, which is a two-player game. And that's that's one that's got a reasonably low barrier of entry, because, I mean, basically, you each go down and pluck ten bucks down, and you're, you're in, you're playing. Yeah, and there's no deck building or anything required. Yeah, so. no, nothing. In fact, that's that's the whole point, is you, you grab a random deck and, and see how it fares against another random deck. Another one that comes to mind, Robert, is a uh, game that I picked up on Kickstarter some time ago, and there's been several expansions that have all funded through Kickstarter as well, and it's, it's readily available. I see it in uh, retail stores pretty regularly, and that is Gruff, which is a, uh, a two-player card game. It's tactical combat with uh, goats on a bridge. And the guy who makes that, in, unless he moved, you could probably throw a rock from your house and hit him. Yeah, he's right around the corner. Nice guy. Super nice guy. Yeah, he used to walk to my old store. <laughs> <laughs> Another game that I got off Kickstarter that is uh, made its way to retail that is super fun is Burger Up. And that's where you are uh, trying to create the perfect burger. It's a good two-player game. Oh, yeah. I remember you talking about that. Yeah, it's fun. It made it to the table a lot because it's it's light and easy to teach and super quick and it looks great and uh, super fun. While we're on the subject of two-player games... Um, it would be important to bring up one of the games that I talked about that I've, I've had on the table lately, and that is Heroes of Normandy, the tactical card game, and, of course, the original Heroes of Normandy game, uh, which is played with uh, cardboard chits and whatnot. Both of those are designed for two players specifically and uh, are, are a fantastic two-player experience, which, of course, brings us, of course, to, to, to miniatures games in general because the vast majority of those are designed for two players. Yeah, I mean, we played uh, Blood Bowl together ages ago. God, 
I missed that yeah. game. Blood Bowl, um, War Machine, War Machine, Forty K, Hammer, Sigmar, K, all that stuff. Monster Apocalypse, Guild Ball. Yeah. yeah, all those are designed as two player experiences. And now that we've got all those out, one of my most favorite board games of all time, if not my favorite board game of all time, Star Wars Rebellion specifically designed as a two-player game it, it does let you play more than two players but um the, the core experience was designed for two players there was this game that fantasy flight made and it, it has to be out of print now because it's based off of the 40k license but it was called the horus heresy and it was sort of supposed to tell the story of the horus heresy and i had so many people tell me it was such a great board game like one of you played chaos and one of you played the space marines and you were basically just trying to hold earth long enough for all the fleets to come in and rescue your butts and uh but so many people said it was just themed correctly like it it, it was really tense because it was always just kind of a nail biter on if you could hold out just long enough to make it happen and my friend played it a couple of times and he and his first time uh he loved because the story played out exactly how it's like supposed to play out in canon you know like the people who were who died died and the people who lived lived you know it was like it just happened to work out that way and he he thought it was great and there's 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 actually it, it was a thing in the early uh, the early teens where there were these giant, huge, just gorgeous two player board games that were a thing for a while. Uh, there were, it was more than just Horus heresy. There were a couple others. Well, I mean, if you, if you look at fantasy flight, then that means we're also taking a look at a lot of their other licensed stuff. So X wing armada, uh, you know, those big, big battle experiences. They're all designed for two players. Game of Thrones, the card game, the L's and, and, and actually all of their LCGs with the exception of Arkham. Well, here's the thing I like, Jonathan. Uh, I like stumbling into multiplayer games that actually work well two players. <laughs> it's it's my favorite thing because uh, those are those to me are like the perfect game because uh, more often than not, I'm going to be playing games with Gina. But I like having games that I'm very familiar with that I can bring out on a bigger board game night. You know, well, then allow me to uh, create a list uh, for you of games that you can explore that, that fit that particular bill. And here's the thing. I, I, I would say this sometimes at the store, a lot of games say that they can be played with two players, but it doesn't work right. And I'm talking about the games that work right. You know, well, I, I think we can, I think we can break this down a couple different ways. Okay. So number one is games that have a cooperative element because there's, there's no reason that you need to cut the number of characters in the game. You can just have the other person run all the characters. And the reason I say that is because games like, um, Fury of Dracula or games like Gears of War that are designed for more than, than, than four players. You can even play them uh, with, with just two players. You just make sure that everybody uh, is represented character-wise on the board, and one person controls multiple characters, and it, it works really, really well. My personal favorite lately, uh, we, we've been playing Potion Explosion a ton. Yeah, Potion Explosion works really, really well with two players. In fact, I kind of prefer it with two, honestly. I, I think with some of the expansions that add more marbles in uh, would work better with more people just because it would, you know, make stuff like work better. But yeah, I, I love that game with two players because it, it, it feels the same. It's the only game I've ever had where it feels exactly the same playing it with multiple people except, well, with multiple people, you're just waiting longer. <laughs> but um, yeah, with two players, it, it's just, it's the same game and it's easier for you to play in your turn because, you know, the, the board doesn't change as much between states. It's, it's, it's great. Um, the other game Gene and I used to play a lot. We haven't played it lately mainly because I don't think I know where my box is, is uh, 
uh, Carcassonne. We used to play Carcassonne all the time, just the two of us. And some of the expansions don't work with two players, like the the Princess and the Dragon. Like that's very much a multiplayer expansion. And don't get me wrong, like uh, that expansion's good if you have a full boat, but you need to have like six players to make the dragon work right. And with two people, it just doesn't work very well. I really, oh God, I did Carcassonne. That game's great. That game is great. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about some great games that that uh, function from a co-op perspective uh, as as two-player games. Um, Mice and Mystics comes to mind because you're uh, all working against and basically an AI. Pandemic comes to mind, always a classic, and any of the many, many variants of Pandemic, they all work as two-player games. The Gears of War game, if you can find a copy of it, is a phenomenal co-op experience. Really big fan of that one. Mansions of Madness works exquisitely with any player count, including one, uh, but I like doing multiple characters with two players. That's, That's my favorite with that. Any of the Legendary Encounters games works phenomenally with uh, with two players. And again, you can do multiple characters or you can use the scaling system within the game uh, to a- adequately adjust the difficulty specifically for two characters. And then any of the, the one versus many games, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, game or um, Descent or Star Wars Imperial Assault... All of those work really well with two players. I, I always suggest that folks use multiple characters with one person to, uh, you know, ensure that the, the game balances out properly. But I've, I've had great two player games of all those. Another full co-op one that comes to mind uh, that's something you and I've talked about, Widower's Wood. And of course, the, the Undercity, which came before it. Those are those are great co-op experiences. Mm hmm. Another one versus many game uh, that I'm looking at on my shelf that is phenomenal with two people is the Spectre Ops series of games. One person plays the person trying to escape. One person plays the entire team of agents that are trying to stop that escape from happening. And it, it's it's tense. It's so much fun. <laughs> Any of the more modern co-op games that have been uh, coming out recently, like Stuff Fables or Comanauts from Plaid Hat, both of those work exquisitely as two-player games. Zombicide, of course, the the classic. So, I mean, the list really goes on and on. Another game that works really well for me uh, that, that is specifically designed for two players is Jaipur. Have you ever played that? No. You've talked a lot about it, though. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the game. Uh, it's a trading game, and it's, it is it, it is so well-balanced for two players. It's amazing. It's so much fun. What I like best about playing games with just two people, especially my wife because I play her a lot, is uh, it kind of forces me to to get better, to get good, (laughs) if that makes any sense, because uh, you can't just use all your same tricks all the time. You know, like we're getting to this point in Potion Explosion where I sort of figured out uh, a tactic that I like doing and it worked for a while. And now Gina has uh, kind of figured out my my strategy and she has countered it and I need to come up with a new game plan. And I hate that because I like just using strategies, you know. Like when I play Seven Wonders and I just go heavy on guilds, you know, because that's that's just 50 percent of the time. It works every time. (laughs) It really does allow you to kind of like crawl through the depths of the game, because since you're playing the same person over and over again, you just can't use the same tricks all the time because eventually the other person will figure it out. Yeah. And that's one of the neatest things that happened when we were playing Hero Realms all the time is you 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 start to learn another person's trick, which forces them into a new a new mind space and that forces you to evolve too. It's a, it's a great back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, there's something just really like kind of cool and intimate about that, you know, where it's, it's, you, you guys have like your own, your own meta, I guess you could say, you know, your weird, 
your weird, you know, internal couple meta. And uh, the thing I would love to do, I, I haven't had an opportunity to do this yet, except with Carcassonne, because uh, Gina and I would play Carcassonne all the, t- all the time. And then, you know, I, I would play it with other people and, and I'd be really good at it. But I haven't done Potion Explosion or anything like that with, you know, something where Gina and I have like really gotten high level with it. And then we get to like throw our, our craziness out on other people. But that'd be fun. I don't know if you've had that. Have you played like Hero Realms with uh, people other than Jessica and just like utterly stomp them? Or does it work like that? Or do you get like so far up your own like weirdness that like it doesn't work <laughs> when you try to apply it to other people? Hero Realms isn't exactly always the best uh, example of that. And the reason why is because there's so much unpredictability with the way the deck is shuffled. Mm, that makes sense. Um, but, you know, in terms of techniques that work and factions that that, that jive well together. Yeah, you, you, you get to a, a point of mastery where you can you can spot stuff well ahead of other folks. Is there anything else? Jessica, there's another game Jessica liked. I remember you talking about it earlier, like earlier in the podcast. I mean, there's only like 63 episodes, so, you know, I'm talking like in the teens. <laughs> um, gosh, man. Uh, I don't know. It was like we before. played a lot of Potion Explosion. No, how's Jessica at that? She she really got into Potion Explosion. She liked that one. Uh, we played a lot of, um, uh, what's the one? Uh, Splendor. A lot of Splendor. Yeah, she yeah. really, really like Splendor. Um Splendor, Splendor works really well with two players. It's a very different uh, experience when you add more than two players, in fact. The same can be said about Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis works really well with two players, but it's a very different game from when you're playing with three and four. You know, you think about the new games and the new hotness, and they're always like multiplayer games, but I think there's something to be said about a more you know, intimate two-player experience. And and even, you know, up, more up my alley, there's been a, a recent string of role-playing games that have come out that have been you know one player one gm and uh, i play tested one of those with with gina and gina i uh, we were both a little hesitant to to do it we, we thought it sounded lame i'm not gonna lie i uh, i mainly did it because i wanted to see my name in print in a knight's black agents book there you go that was important to me but we had a lot of fun like uh knight's black agents solo ops is gonna be real good and i can't talk about it and i'd love to talk about it because the the adventures that were in the book were excellent <laughs> but soon. soon yes soon yes and i will just have to pretend hopefully the same adventures are in there and then i will just pretend that gina and i played them again so i could keep the word of the nda i signed because i'm not supposed to talk about the play test but i can talk about the book when it actually comes out so yes we will totally be playing those adventures again jonathan i guarantee it i like it i can't wait to hear <laughs> I don't know. I think it's worthwhile. Like I, again, I think it's really easy as a gamer to get kind of caught up in the notion that you, you need, you, you need to find like a big group and, and don't get me wrong. Big, big games are fun, but you know, don't discount the gaming for two. No, not at all. Not at all. Not, not when there's so many excellent opportunities out there. It's a lot of fun. You know, I keep looking at my shelf as, as we sit here and chat and I keep finding additional titles that I want to talk about. Like lost cities is amazing as a two player game. Do you want to just like shotgun a few more just to get it out of your system? Yeah, Lost Cities, uh, Karmica. Those are both excellent two-player games. Uh, Akrotiri is an amazing two-player game. Conan, not the <laughs> not the Fantasy Flight one, but the Monolith one. Yeah, is, is specifically a two-player game, uh, and it, it it's got this really neat push-pull thing going on, which is amazing. GKR uh, it works so well with two players. It's it's so much fun with uh, with two players. I've played a lot of the co-op games that we talked about with two players, and it's always a great time. 
And it's, it's I don't know, like I, I like a, a lot of games that work really, really well specifically with just two players, even though their, their player counts escalate much further. Custom Heroes, which we've talked about on the show a lot, that one just flies at two players. It's a, such a different game at two players. Guillotine, which you showed me. Oh, yeah, Guillotined. I don't know where my copy of that is either. I think it's still sitting on my shelf, actually. Oh, did I let you borrow it? No, I'm looking at two copies of it, and I, I think that uh, I think it might have gotten left behind one night. That's sad. Well, you're going to send me something. I am. I'm going to send you something. A deck of cards and, and, and something else, which will be a future episode of the FMD podcast. Indeed, indeed. But that requires a minimum of three players. Right, so we won't talk about it now. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. We want to hear about your best two-player game. So to that end, go ahead and hit up our Facebook group. Tell us about what you like to play with two players specifically. Tell us about games that are not designed two players uh, for two players specifically and that work fantastically with two players. I'll try to set up a thread. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, I, if I don't remember, because <laughs> there's a little bit of a delay of us talking about this and then it actually coming out where I remember that I say things. But anyway, yes, if, uh, if I don't remember, somebody make a thread and we can start talking about him. And play Potion Explosion. That game's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Robert, that brings us, of course, to the end of another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Once again, join us on all our digital domains. We love hearing from you. We love hearing your opinions on things. And Robert, that means there's only one last thing. Any final thought? Uh, I just want to say I, I, I've been complaining about my children a little bit, and I, I made a resolution to myself to not do that. So I apologize to my children. I'm being a bad father. I, uh, I don't like complaining about them. And actually, it's not their faults. The stuff that's going, I mean, it is like their fault, but it's like just doctor's appointments and junk. Oh, that comes and goes. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's nothing that they're doing. I mean, they're, they're doing it, but it's not like them. It's like stuff that happens because they exist. And it, it's, yeah, it's just, there's just a lot of that right now. And it's just like, ah, there's too much life going on. Wish it could slow down. Although it's finally getting warm. We can go to the beach again. I like the beach. The kids love the beach. Well, Robert, that leaves us with only one last thing to do. Be excellent to one another. And party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 